You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hi, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. And I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today we are going to talk about going outside and playing. Mm -hmm. Summer's on its way, and here in Middle Tennessee, that last school bell is about to ring for the year. Now, back in my childhood in the 70s, and maybe your childhood in the 80s or 90s, that meant long, lazy days spent outside, dreaming up games, building forts, riding horses and bikes, or reading a book in the limbs of the perfect tree. For many kids today, though, children of parents who spent their childhood in the 90s and 2000s, the landscape is more uh, urban. Mm-hmm. It's got camps, sports, activities, and the time and the freedom to just wander outside has become much more limited. And adults and children and teenagers are all reporting greater anxiety, greater depression, more health issues than ever before. And there's a variety of things to blame. You know, we're not, um, we're plugged in, we're more isolated, we're over-parenting, trying to (laughs) fix everything, and we have less and less trust in faith-based and other institutions, and there's no simple solution, but um, would we even take it? Would it be worth trying? Yeah, so that's I. Yeah, that's what we're going to look at today. And we have as a special guest, um, we're talking today with Jamie Langley. She has been a practicing child and family and play therapist here in Tennessee for about 30 years now. Um, she's also an adjunct professor in the MTSU Social Work Department. She's co-founder and president of the Tennessee branch of the Association for Play Therapy and is a charter member of the Children and Nature Network. Um, So Jamie primarily specializes in working with children and their families who have undergone trauma, loss, divorce, and other adverse experiences. And she integrates creativity and nature as part of this healing practice whenever possible. She's also got a book coming out, which we're excited about, in 2022 called Nature-Based Play and Expressive Therapies with Dr. Janet Courtney. And just for reference, her website is jamielynnlangley.com. So go check that out. And Thanks for being here with us today, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're really going to talk about two core subjects, I think, today. Um, one is the importance of play, and two is the importance of being outside, right? Yeah, um, play and outside. Yeah, which seem like basic childhood, you we know, hope so, yeah. givens, <laughs> right? But apparently they're not. Um, in 2005, uh, Richard Louvre, is that how you say that? Yes. Louvre, um, wrote the definitive book on the importance of being outside, and it's called The Last Child in the Woods. Um, and he coined the phrase nature deficit disorder to describe what effect disconnecting from nature has on kids and actually on all of us. Um, right. So what what exactly is nature deficit disorder? I know when you hear that, you almost think like, is that a medical diagnosis or what is that? Yeah, I remember right. the first time I heard it, I was like, wait, that's not in our DSM. Yeah. And so I had to go check it out myself when the book came out. But it basically is more like a call to action. Like as we're seeing children's mental health issues rise, we're seeing a decline in how much time they're having outside and looking at the correlations therein. Okay. So we don't want another label, you know, right. to slap on our kids. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that it couldn't be a medical diagnosis. Yeah. I mean, it could be, but, it, but it's not right now. Uh-huh. We're really just kind of like, let's figure out how we can get ourselves back outside. Right. So we were just talking to um, a pediatrician friend of ours. A dinner the other night actually mm-hmm. um and I was telling him hey I just read this thing we're gonna do this podcast and pediatricians at this hospital in Oakland California have been so concerned about this kids not getting enough time outside kids not playing enough that they're actually writing prescriptions to go out into nature right and um, they actually asked parents do they have access to the outdoors and green spaces and so I asked our pediatrician friend do you do you ask that he's like every day I asked that every day and he said 90 percent of what he deals with in his pediatrics office is from the neck up right so you're not coming in because you have a cold or you need your appendix out or anything it's all this mental health issues for parents and right they're going for all of the kids right yeah um so in what ways have you seen evidence of this nature deficit disorder in your practice? And many times it's just like what your pediatrician friend was talking about. So when they come to me, when I do a screening, like how much playtime are they getting? How much outdoor time? What are, how much 
plug-in time are they getting mm -hmm. that screen time and we're seeing just so many kids are now just plugged into the screen so much and sometimes they don't even really know how to play so sometimes when I start guiding them on doing play in my office they look at you like what am I supposed to do so what age are we talking there like not a three-year-old right a three-year-old would know how to play right I mean it depends I mean I have seen some young ones that I mean unfortunately have been introduced to the screen so early that's mm -hmm. the type of play that they know and they're familiar with we tend to do what we're familiar with. Right. And we're like modeled. Be, right. Or model for us. Mm -hmm. And we like to have stimulating things. So if you introduce a screen to a three-year-old, that's stimulating mm -hmm. and all that. So yeah, that's going to seem much more fun than the ball that they were rolling around with earlier or wow. something like that. So yeah. It's kind of heartbreaking. Oh, Unfortunately. Yes. That makes me sad. <laughs> no. So do you, in your practice, do you have a, a recommendation for uh, when parents introduce those kinds of things, screen time to a young child? Never. I, know, <laughs> so I would say right. never. So we didn't have a choice, Bonnie. Like, no. I mean, there were televisions. Yeah. Right. That was it. Right. it, it there was, the temptation was not even there. Mm -hmm. If you were out, you were out. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is now, because we now have little computers in our hands all the time, and we don't always think about our phones as our computers. But I was in a training last week where the um, therapist was saying, why do we even call them phones? They really don't ring. They're really not phones. <laughs> and I was like, that is so true. But they are, they're, they're little computers. And I have to sometimes remind parents of that and all that wealth of information and sometimes unfortunate information that you can, you know, access to that. But then when kids see that that's always in their parents' hand or their caregiver's hand, they want to see it too. Right. So they're introduced to it much earlier than even when it used to be just on computers. Yeah. Because it's, you know, most of us go little time without our phones around us it's in our pockets in our pocketbook it's you know with us in the car it's wherever we go we're checking for messages and all that and kids see that and then they're like can I play games on it so yeah. there they go there you know and you're like oh yeah that'll give me a few minutes of quiet time as a parent here play that game right and then it starts from there and that's really early on I'm seeing kids younger than one year old sometimes not professional but you know parents are important to me they're doing things on the phone Wow. Oh, no. I'm amazed no, no, that they no. would even know the yeah. know what to do with And that. I think, you know, um, and I don't remember if the Academy of Pediatrics said this or not, but they really recommend for children under two not to have that screen time. Mm -hmm. They really recommend at least holding off till two. But again, because the phones are so accessible, yeah, it yes. means that kids are accessing it really early. There's brain development and all that right. stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so even in Middle Tennessee, which I think of here in the South, is kind of rural. Um, it's outside the major metro areas. And if you're living on the east or west coast or in a concrete jungle, like I can understand, okay, maybe you're not getting outside as much, but I feel like, I feel like here we should be. I mean, there's farms all around and, you know, the city hasn't come all the way in, right? So is that true or not true? Or is it suburbia? Well, I mean, I think it's just all about comfort level many times. So what I'm seeing now is that with some of the parents that are having children now, they grew up in this video game age. So they didn't get their own exposure. And so therefore they don't really know how to expose their kids to it. So if they weren't camping and playing outside and doing those things, then they're not comfortable enough to like lead their children that way. Well, okay, so what do you mean by not comfortable? Like afraid? Some parents are, you know, we're so much of, y'all probably, I'm sure you talked about it, the helicopter parent. So you're hovering all the time. You're yeah. right on, because you don't want your child to come to any harm. Sure. You have st stranger danger concerns and just liability. You know, you don't want them to go out and break their leg or whatever. Um, so that has, that I would call that a fear that okay. a lot of parents do. And so like, I'll try to encourage be a hummingbird parent instead of a helicopter parent. I don't know if y'all have heard of that term. No, but that came out of, I hadn't, but yeah, I love it. It came out of Children and Nature Network. And so it really is like, okay, you're you're near, but you're not right on top of. Yeah, you kind of you, flit in and out. Mm -hmm. You're watching, but you're not totally guiding everything uh -huh. and all that. So trying to guide parents to be in more that way. Huh, okay. So is there a fear though of, I mean, not that there's, well, there are actually, actually, if you watch Blue Planet, wild animals more moving into urban areas, right? <laughs> right there's right, coyotes yeah. out in LA and- um, right. I don't know, but a fear of, um, sometimes it can be something as simple as falling out of a tree outside. Yeah. yeah. You know, cause I think about it. Y'all probably did too. Like I spent a lot of time climbing trees as a kid. I used to take books up. My sister and we would pretend to be pirates and, you yeah. know, voyagers and all kinds of things up in a tree. Yeah. Well now parents are afraid they're going to fall. So many kids haven't even ever attempted to climb a tree. Yeah. Or the rope swings out into the creek yeah. mm -hmm. or, the, you know, turning rocks mm -hmm. over in the creek. There could be snake there. That kind right. of thing. Oh, yeah. But our neighborhood, we, we have a neighborhood messaging, you know, oh, on yes. Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so um, somebody saw a snake. And so they posted it. It was a rattlesnake. They, they saw it. We have a neighbor 
their children from that day forward never were outside without knee-high boots. Oh, because De- it impacted them be- so much. Because they fear. were just so afraid that they were going to you know, run into a snake. Knee-high boots. Wow. For the next three years. <laughs> three years? Until they moved away. Wow. <laughs> That's just how much that fear impacted them, though. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, so, and listen, you know, I do remember, you know, playing outside. We did see, you do see yeah, snakes. And you know what my parents did? They taught us how to take off our shoe, pull off our sock, tie it off above the bite and have the other have the cousin or the friend run back and get just a grown up just in case <laughs> they yeah. didn't tell us we couldn't play outside they just taught us what to do right, right. boy scout first aid right yeah. that's like basic yeah, if we did get into trouble you know and i'll get you go to i'll get the concerns are like about they're afraid of bugs or mosquitoes or will they get ticks yes that's why you use insect spray <laughs> you know you check for ticks when you come in everybody we remember the our parents check. doing that oh, yeah. you know yeah. so you do all those things and like what you said you prepare yeah. You don't try to, you, you try to be as safe as um, you can be, but not necessarily safe as possible where nothing ever happens. Yes. You know, and I read too, because um, I was reading this Last Child in the Woods book, which I love and everyone should read, yes. um, the advent of air conditioning, mm. which we're not used to being, I mean, you used to leave the, you know, the windows open on a good, right. cool night, coolish night. In the South, it gets humid here, y'all. I don't know if you're right. here, but like humidity is a thing to be Definitely. feared, right? So anyway, you leave the windows open and you hear the night sounds, right? You feel the breeze coming in through the window and you hear the frogs and the crickets and all that stuff. And the birds wake you up in the morning or the roosters, depending on where you live. That's right. Um, yeah, but air conditioning had quit all that. Like we shut the windows and we're perfectly temperature controlled all year round. So even my kids and I tried really hard, my my daughter especially, to like, we're going outside, we are getting dirty, we are going to get our hands in the dirt, where I don't want to get hot and sweaty. And I hear that a lot, <laughs> yes. Especially in the summer. And like you said, we do get hot, humid summers. And so we're like, okay, let's go out in the morning or let's go out at yeah. dusk time. Or we're going we're gonna to run the sprinkler then. We're right? going to get the hose out. Yes. You're going to be not hot and sweaty, but we're going outside. Right, yeah. And the other thing, when you talked about that, it makes me realize when we miss those nature sounds, um, how much we miss out on because there's research now that's even shown how good that is for us and yes. how good that is for our brain thing to hear the sounds of nature right I mean we have that piped in through apps and right. sound machines you can have a fake waterfall <laughs> next right. to your bed yes. right yes. to help you fall asleep but how much better to have the real thing the real thing yeah I was reading that um just the in the preparation for this interview the the stress response when you do get hot and your body has to sweat or when you go outside and it's cold and your body you know shivers to stay warm is actually beneficial it's good for your body to do that yeah yeah for your body it's like the idea of plunging into an ice cold oh yeah after being in a hot tub that's the stress response it's a artificially induced stress response Mm -hmm. to actually make your body stronger Mm -hmm. and so I I just had never really considered that that um that it's actually a good thing so when I went to visit my friend Jana in Beijing several years ago a lot of the Chinese there did not use their air conditioning in their high-rise apartments. They're like, it's bad for you, it's bad for you. I, I thought it was some, like, um, superstitious uh-huh. <laughs> you know, thing that they thought was bad for them. No, I think what they were saying was that, that uh-huh. your, your, your body needs to work at adapting to different temperatures. Yeah, they're and, little weaklings yeah. now. <laughs> no, we are. Yeah, like fascinating. Just fascinating. And listen, you know I don't like sure. camping. You know I don't like oh, mosquitoes. I know. I, you know I don't like that stuff. But I'm I'm seeing more and more how just desperately important this is. Yeah, like vitally to our yeah our biology. It's how we evolved mm-hmm. to be. Right. Mm-hmm. It's how we were created. Um. So. Things have changed because obviously, like we've been talking about, the last generation that was immediately connected to the land and the water are the boomers. And they, like 1946, 1964. So now that there's no more like Western frontier, right? There's no more little house in the prairie. Um, and the family farms have slowly died out one by one. Even in Murfreesboro here, like you're, you used to just see cows in the right. middle of what is now town, right? Exactly. All that's gone. Um so for the current generation of kids and their parents, for the most part, like um, our food is shrink wrapped. Like we don't know, we don't know where our food comes from. Right. Um, my friend Renee has a little story about that. Listen, I, you know, I love to cook and I, I mean, I love to cook and food waste really bothers me. And I think I was thinking, okay, how could I be less wasteful? And I said, you know, if I actually killed an animal myself, I'm pretty sure I would, after that, 
traumatic, sad experience, I would not want to waste, right. you know, that animal's flesh. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to convince Bonnie to let us come out to her farm and try to kill one of her chickens when <laughs> oh. they were done laying it's eggs. Like, no, I don't butcher my own chicken. No. I was like, this, no, this is like something I need to do, like to be a better human. It's going to build character and I'm going to be connected to the land, Jamie. Right, <laughs> we can have some other ways for you to do that. <laughs> what they had to do in the farm you know yes. that's what oh, yes. they ate yes. so and another thing I thought was wow just mind-blowing to me is that um now this generation and probably the one right before it like we don't know what life really is because we've monkeyed so much with like um we can clone things they can actually create um chimeras so genetically you can grow a human ear out of the back of an animal you know just by putting genetic material in there um also ai artificial intelligence like what's a machine what's a man what's it where does life begin all those questions that's um you know if you're not out on the farm witnessing it witnessing reproduction pulling the calf all the things getting your hands dirty with oh here's what a male and female do right (laughs) here's how they come together this is how children are born Uh this is how the world works you're divorced from that then uh, really, you're just limited by what science can do in exactly. a lab. Um, sterile. It's very sterile to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I have friends who will only buy chicken breasts with no bone and no skin. And they're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. They don't want to pull it out of the pack. I'm like, that's, you know that's an animal, right? right. Like, you're eating an animal. Right. You can try to, like, pretend you're I not eating an animal. I think we desensitize ourselves to things. We do. And, oh, yeah. You're, not, you're not catching ourselves. the fish and putting the worm on the hook. Right. You are, yeah, getting it out of the... Publix freezer right. or whatever. Right. Um, and then our relationship with animals is distant, like except for pets. So it's really weird that like this generation is super into animal rights. They're all about, um, you know, don't wear furs and, and um, sustainable farming and the poultry farms are bad, which there's legitimacy to all of that. Sure. But they don't, they don't know how to butcher a chicken. Like they don't know where all that comes from. I don't know how to butcher a chicken. Oh yeah, neither do I. <laughs> right. But they don't really know, even know the concept of butchering Yes, that's chicken. true. Right, that you have to. Like, yes. the walking chicken, the little animal that's walking over there, is actually the same thing that we, oh, that's what I had in my, Star you know, package. my nuggets. That's, that's the nuggets. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. They, don't, they don't get the connection. So um, so how do we fix that? <laughs> so just help us there, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Like, in, do you see that in your practice? Like, does that stuff even come up? I hadn't thought about that when necessarily I'm trying to get past the chickens. <laughs> Yeah. We're all a little traumatized had, by that. Yeah. I don't know if we've had, had that one so much, but I do think there is not enough awareness just about animals and, um, like you said, outside of our pets. Yeah. And so what is a cow really? I mean, they don't know the connections with some of those and all that that kind of feeds into each other mm-hmm. and all that. So, I mean, David, my husband, talks about growing up in upstate New York. There were woods behind his house that he went out in every afternoon. I was like, were there right. markings? Like, did you... No, there were no mm-hmm. signs in the woods. And he, yeah, he just learned, like, here, here's how squirrels right. play and behave. And here's how rabbits. And here's here's a creek. And you go stomp in the creek. And it, it, it's mind-boggling. I, I know no children, almost, who are doing that now. Well, we don't let our children have those kind of adventures, really. And if we take them outside, we're going to usually tell them how they're supposed to play outside. You know, we give them a set of rules here. Go play the sport outside. That's playing in nature, right? Not, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're breathing air and you're outside. You're getting some vitamin D and you're running, but are you really playing in nature? No, it's on turf. Yeah, it's on turf. And then you're you're doing it to a set of rules. So you're not out investigating that creek. You're not looking for those tadpoles. You're not down on your knees getting dirty and, and all that and being creative. And, you know, you do creative problem solving. You figure things out. You're like, oh, I need to go make this den to kind of go play in and hide out in. You know, that's one of the first plays kids will usually do outside if they're left on their own. But they're not making them because they're not left on their own outside and play So developmentally, that's a normal thing to do. Right, yes. That's what me and my cousins did. We had them. We had like three. Yeah. We'll see it on the indoors too, right? So when kids do sheets and stuff and make little forts inside their living room. Absolutely. Uh It's that same kind of concept, only it used to be outside that we would do that. Yeah. We took old pieces of plywood. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's great. Kids get so excited. Mm -hmm. when you. I mean, we all kind of laugh at when kids get this stuff for Christmas, whatever. They play more with the boxes and they do it with the toys. And that happens all the time. But that's when they're being creative. And so Mm -hmm. we want that, just they don't get many opportunities. So what does play, what good is play? Isn't that a waste of time? 
no, 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 no. <laughs> no like they could be learning yeah. ABCs. They could be learning, you know, probably a five-year-old could learn computer programming or whatever. Of course, they probably can. <laughs> yes. So yes. play is just... But, yeah, I think she should define yeah. it. When you say yeah. play, tell us what oh, you're gosh, talking I about. How, to, how would I define play? Because, I mean, That's playing a sport is, is a type of play. But when you're talking right. about creative play, what are you talking about? Yeah, so really what, sometimes what we look at is what is unstructured play, what is free play. Then I'll even go into what is like risky play and messy play because kids aren't getting to do those. Okay. And also there's all those different types of play. And so when you're doing unstructured play, again, there's no set of rules. You're getting to be creative. You decide you know, what you and your brother do or you and your cousins do or your friends or whatever. And you just, just play away, you know, without those, those rules and things. What's risky and messy play. So risky and messy play. So so many kids aren't getting those. So again, that's that climbing the tree. Mm -hmm. That's that walking on the log, you know, so maybe that's a plank to a pirate ship or, or whatever, but they're not getting to do that. Messy play is like just getting really dirty, you know, getting your hand. And I mean, all these studies that show how dirt is good for us. And all that. So mm -hmm. getting our hands out in the dirt and, you know, getting really messy. And what do most moms do? They say, don't get messy. Mm -hmm. Don't go get, go get grass stains on your clothes or whatever. And you're like, oh yeah, I want to see grass stains on the clothes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll just use my spray and wash, you know, and, right. and, get, and get it out. But yeah, so. And we really say that messy. for our own convenience, yes. because we don't want to do extra laundry right. and we don't want to have right. to do another bath and whatever, but that's really hurting our kids. Oh yeah. So when you were asking earlier, Bonnie, about the importance of play so cognitively, so for our development of our brains, it helps build our brains to play. So when we're not doing that, we're not getting this good development. And then play is the way kids express things. So it's like as a play therapist, the reason we've utilized play is because that's their first language. So children play because they, so they can't talk about it. So cognitively, you can't really talk about things and conceptualize things until at least age 10. And sometimes it's later than that, 12. So a lot of our studies are really based on like three to 10. Mm -hmm. So, and so you can play it out what you can't talk it out as an adult. So like I might come into you and say, I'm really stressed today because my boss yelled at me at work and blah, blah, blah. Kids can't do that, but they might take some blocks and start crashing together. Okay. So I as a mom, so right. even with just a child who's not had trauma, oh, just yeah. as a mom, you can get, let your child do free play. Exactly. And kind of observe what's going on uh, inside their little minds. Right. And sometimes you, and you may not even know what it means. And so a lot of times with new play therapists, like, well, I didn't really know what that meant. I'm like, you don't have to know what it means. They're doing what they need to do hmm. and all that. So you're just following them and all that. And yeah, you're making a therapeutic space as a play therapist and all that. But yes, as a parent, um, there's a, actually a type of play therapy called filial play where the parents set up a play therapy space and time in their homes and all that. So it's just a way to relieve stress. And all that. But we don't have to have filial play therapy. I mean, kids can just play and that helps relieve their stress. They're going to do it anyway if left to their own, right? right? If you leave them alone, mm. even in a room with just, I don't know, a box and a stick. Oh, yes. And a stick is one of the best toys ever because, <laughs> you know, when I do trains, like, okay, what all can a stick be? And you just start brainstorming. So a stick can be a wand. It can be a baton. It can be a guitar. It can be a horse. You know, all kinds of things just from a stick. Let kids mm. have that chance to have that opportunity yeah. to creatively think what can a stick be. Yeah, and think of all the money we're wasting on toys. Oh, so exactly. There was, there was actually a study oh, that showed. Wow. So I use this sometimes in my trains. There was a study, and I forget it was out of Ohio. I forget the name of the university right now. It might have been University of Akron, but where they gave toddlers four toys or sixteen toys, and then they watched how they played with them, and they played longer and more creatively with four than with sixteen. Awesome, love that. Oh, that which, is great. Which tells us we're really giving kids too much too let toys. them and so that was a big lesson I was trying to do during the pandemic because people are like oh my gosh they don't get this they're not having that you can do more with less less really is more uh that's okay gem I gem know. number one that's <laughs> a true podcast. song right there love that oh okay I this is a cool thing we talked about before we began recording talk to us about forest bathing Jamie oh yes I know I love that term <laughs> so yes so it's a Japanese practice that a lot of us are now adopting or want to adopt because who doesn't want to do forest bathing when you hear it and it doesn't mean what you think it means it really just means going and getting yourself all surrounded by the woods and so when you do that you get the smells of nature you get the sounds of nature you just get that feeling you can and touch it I don't know if you want to taste it or not, but, you know, all the senses that you can get from nature. And so that's very grounding. And so we know a lot of sensory stimulation is good. Mm. And so you're doing that, the visual sensations and all that. And we do better when we kind of get a little covered 
So that's why the forest, again, the woods, so you're getting a little covered with that nature when you go in. Interesting. So you feel very protected. So you are, you're immersed, and that's where that bathing term came from, because you're totally immersed in the woods, mm. so forest bathing. Ah, I love that. So like totally. I said, I'll some, say sometimes, I, I want to go out and bathe in the forest, and people look at you like, I don't mean that way. <laughs> I just need to go get some, some woods time. Yes. Yeah, I'm all for that. I think that's totally cool. I read to you that um, when you're plugged in, when you're indoors and plugged in, you're really only using a lot of the time visual and maybe hearing so you're missing you're cutting off the input from all those other senses you just talked about um oh you're listening to only certain kinds of sounds you're not tuning into um I don't know, the birds singing and everything else all around you. Background. Right. And as we find anxiety increases and stress increases, that's what's part of our culture. We have an increase in stress and anxiety. It's that regulating we want. So that's where it goes back to the senses. How can we get connected with our senses better Hmm. to help regulate? And that's why the Japanese did it for forest bathing, because they had so many things that were happening in the city. And they're like, we have to be able to deal with this better. So when you went outside, then your blood pressure went down, the stress went down, all those um, things that got better. You know, they say even having an aquarium. Oh, yes. And watching the fish slowly. Yes. We, we did for years. And I just love to sit there and watch the little, everything happening in the aquarium. It's supposed to lower your blood pressure and all that. Right. You know, so they tell you bring plants inside, bring aquariums inside, have a pet inside, all those things that brings nature in. And then if you can also have pictures of nature and all that, that helps too. Yeah. So if you've been in like hospitals or nursing homes lately, a lot of them are trying to incorporate more of that. So they have more screens showing nature, pictures showing nature and all that because it helps because they can't necessarily get outside, right? Right. But then for those of us that can get outside, it's even better to do it actually in the 3D way. Yeah. Right. Go outside and experience yeah, right, it. Right, right. Even better to go outside. Yes. Yeah. So um, uh, water in motion. The There's like water therapy too. So I have a friend who... Um, who said, you know, Renee, my body just likes water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, your yes. body likes water? She's like, I, I can tell a difference in, in all the things you're talking about. My blood pressure, right. my heart rate, my stress. When I'm near water, when I can hear the waves, even by a lake, just the lapping mm-hmm. right. of the water, the trickling of the water. Um, she said, I'm just, I'm at my best. Right. Well, there's some studies that show our heart rate starts synchronizing with waves and different things so there's a lot of i know it's, it's pretty cool <laughs> my mouth dropped and all that. yeah and so as it's it's regulating wow. us and all that and we are drawn to water and so there's a lot of phrases that we'll use out when we start connecting to the nature movement so green time you've probably heard of that and then blue time okay. so trying to make sure you get green time blue and blue time refers to the water time oh, and, and even okay. though in t- you know we're from tennessee right now and so we get kind of we're kind of landlocked we don't have oceans near us we have to drive about eight hours to get to an ocean yes we do and all that which is unfortunate but at least it's driving distance right? yes right, we have right, lots right. of lakes and rivers and waterfalls i mean waterfalls are great mm-hmm. so again when you talk about that regulating and all that just going and sitting by waterfall and all that so that's why your friend feels that connection yeah. to water wow she's yeah. regulating yeah that's very cool i mean you know when you think about it from dust we were created right so like we have that in us. We are part of the earth. We are part of God made us that way. And I always talk about how, think about where we were created. We were in a garden. In a garden. Mm. We weren't in these boxes Mm -hmm. of our offices or schools or homes or whatever. Mm -hmm. We were out in nature. We were in a garden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it makes sense that it's part of our DNA and all that to be out in nature. Yeah. And it's only really when we start looking at studies, it's it's three generations now where we've really lost that connection. So most people can talk to their grandparents and we'll hear about all the nature that they were doing. They were out killing the chickens, getting back to that earlier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they had the farm chores, many of them, or they were outside and whatever. And then their children, so a lot of our parents, yes. had maybe had some of those experiences, but maybe modified. Maybe they were outside playing in their subdivision all day. Mm. You know, like my sister and I can remember, like, my mom would have to call us in at dark time. Like, okay, you've got to come in. It's dark. It's time to come in. I remember that, too. And play yeah. and all that. But then yeah. this third generation, no, they're all they're mainly inside, plugged in. Kids don't like to go outside because there's no, you know, there's no, there's no outlets. Out yeah, there. Outlets. I was trying to think of the word. There's yeah. no outlets outside Yep. and all that. So they want to stay inside so they can stay connected to the screens. And so many times, you know, Bonnie, get back to your question. Like when parents ask me about it, I'm like, okay, let's try to exchange some screen time for green time. Number one, they can remember that because it's kind of catchy. Mm-hmm. Even if we do take a half hour away from the screens and we're going to get a half hour outside. Yeah. Because we get research that tells us all different kinds of time frames. Yeah, I've heard two hours is the optimum. Yeah, so two, two hours a week, if you can get that. And then there's some studies that show 20 minutes. So if you can go 20 minutes, you're going to decrease your cortisol, which is that yucky stress yeah. hormone that we don't want. 20 minutes a day or 20 minutes a week? 20 minutes a day. Okay. And then over, then you get to the two hours a week. If okay. you get it for six days, you get that two hours. And some parents find that 20 minutes, when they hear two hours, yeah, that's like, 
we don't have two hours. We're running from here to there. We got homework. We're, you know, Which and, is also an issue. And that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes we have to look <laughs> at, okay, is there something you can give up? Sometimes they're willing to, sometimes they're not. But right. 20, is your child's mental health right. <laughs> worth as much as right. the baseball game? Right. Just exactly. asking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. But, you know, they all have these great yeah. dreams about maybe they'll be a major league baseball player someday or, or get them scholarships to college. Which mm-hmm. All that could be true. Mm-hmm. So can you get 20 minutes in for a family walk? So you can connect as a family, you can go outside and do that. And then maybe you can save that two hours and also get some on the weekend. Maybe you yeah. can do a two-hour excursion on the weekend mm-hmm. and all that. Then there's also a really neat study that I like to use, too, that shows just five minutes helps. So Damn. if I really get people that are like, oh, even 20 minutes is going to be a lot. Wow. There's a study that shows you get improvement in mood with five minutes. I use that a lot with therapists saying when you're booking back to back to back, try to give yourself a five minute break uh-huh. and just go outside. It's just going outside and sitting on a bench uh-huh. mm-hmm. helps decrease your mood. So if how, if how powerful that is in five minutes, think what 20 minutes is going to be, then think what the two hours is going to be. Right. Oh, wow. That's just, uh, if you cannot find 20 minutes or 15 minutes in a day right. to just step outside. Reevaluate your life. Look up. Exactly. <laughs> Smell the yeah, flowers. Really. Well, when people talk about really. they get stuck, they're like, I'm stuck. I don't know what I need to do. Okay, go outside. You'll get clarity. Mm. Yeah. There's something about it. You will go outside. Just take that walk outside. Sit down on the bench if you don't want to walk. But walking's even better. But yeah, and just, you will, those things will come to you. So my supervisees, they'll get stuck with the fame. I'm like, go outside. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know. It's almost like waving your magic wand, but it does kind of work. It's like you go out, you just start connecting with other things. You start seeing things from a different perspective. And that sounds like a great office better. to work in. I think I would love to work beautiful. in that. Well, I keep saying yes, I want more of a nature set, setting. You know, sometimes when I talk about my office, people must think I work on acres, and I don't. I ha- I'm in a business park. We have a little green area out back with two trees and a little water. And that's all it takes. And we can do some great things. We can mm. go look for four-leaf clovers. We can watch uh, a caterpillar crawl on the thing. You know, we can make a little fairy garden if we need to, you know, uh-huh. even in a small space. Yes. Okay. So you don't need the back 20. You can do that's it right. in yeah. a little square. That's great. That's and that's great. good news for people who live in cities, right? Yeah. And so in a lot of cities are trying to have more green space. Mm-hmm. And all that because they yeah. know. Mm-hmm. You know, a friend of mine just went to New York City this weekend and she was posting pictures. She went to New York City and where'd she go? Central Park. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, you could have stayed in Tennessee <laughs> for all that greenery, but okay. But I'm sure she did some other things. But she was sending pictures of Central Park while she yeah. was there. Yeah. Central Park is amazing in the mm-hmm. middle of New York City. Yeah. Right. It's, it, if you don't know, if you've never been there, it's just goes on and on and on acres and acres and acres it's really Mm -hmm. cool to have that right in the middle of all that concrete but think if you're a parent that you weren't used to that you may not even think about how valuable it is to take your child there so you might be in that concrete jungle as you said Mm -hmm. and you could have that green time right down the street but if you're not comfortable with it you're not going to take them there yeah so how can you help parents and children get more comfortable with it so they can access you know so that's talking about it what can you do you know that you know if a child scrapes their knees that's okay it's yeah. not that I advocate for kids getting hurt, but they're going to survive scraping their knee. Right. You know, this past summer when all these, you know, I was sharing with y'all earlier, kids were learning how to ride the bikes for the first time because mm-hmm. when we were shut in and we couldn't really go any places because everything was closed. So, you know, bicycles quickly got all bought up, but kids were learning how to ride bikes for the first time. Yeah. Guess what? They were falling and scraping their knees. Mm-hmm. Okay. They got medicated, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, their moms kissed their boobies or whatever, and they went on. I didn't have anybody, thank goodness, didn't have any serious injuries. It was just what we probably typically think of as childhood yeah um, that goes along with childhood but so many kids haven't had that right and that teaches well coordination it teaches balance it teaches courage it teaches failure is okay because I can try again it teaches resilience it teaches all the stuff you want your kids to have down the road that they're not going to get right inside an air-conditioned room right it's like we talk about that risky play and I'll tell parents okay yes we want to protect our children but if they never learn to assess risk, they're at more danger, possibly. Oh, that's another truth bomb. Yes, that's a good too. one. Yeah, so they need to really learn to be important. able to assess that risk, right? And don't you want to be the one to help guide them assessing that risk? So if you can be that hummingbird parent and all that. I did mm-hmm. a training a couple of years ago, so we're not doing in-person trainings right now. You know, hopefully mm-hmm. we get back to those. But a couple of years ago, we were doing a nature play therapy training, and we were talking about kids not climbing trees like we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. and we happened it was at henry horton state park so y'all are familiar with that that's pretty close and so when we went outside to take a nature walk and there was a parent with the sun climbing up in the tree and people started clapping i'm sure the guy was like who are these people (laughs) you know but it was but we we could have scripted it better you know i could could have hired the guy to be out there but i didn't and it was just but it was perfect and we were like but everybody was so excited like oh here's a dad that's you know his son is learning how to do that risk and yeah and he was telling like don't buddy don't that's about high enough so he was kind of guiding him, but he wasn't like totally controlling him. That's great. 
You should oh, hire. You great. could hire my son for that. He would be all. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he likes nature and things yeah. too. So yeah, he'll climb anything that's yes. rooted to the ground. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk to us about how many hours the average American child spends indoors per day? Well, there's all different kinds of numbers, so it depends on who you talk to. Um, but the numbers go be- fluctuate between two hours and nine hours, and all that. And so, and, and it, as you would imagine, per week. Per two week. To nine no, hours no, that's per, per day. Per day. Two to nine hours two per nine. day. And as they get up in age, it's the higher that that rate goes up. Okay. And so one person, one study I read said guided at about whatever their age is, take 30 minutes for their age, is probably about how much they're getting outside. So let's say someone's 15, that means they're probably getting, I mean, inside, they're probably getting about seven and a half hours of screen time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all that. That doesn't leave much outdoor time. Mm-hmm. So like there's one study that said, or one thing I read that said seven minutes of, of, nature time versus seven hours of screen time uh, and all that and, and just think if we flip that what the difference oh would my be. goodness and i'm wow. always like just if we just took a half an hour away of the screen time and hopefully most kids aren't getting seven hours but they said some teenagers are getting as many as nine hours yeah I, so I for your psych- 30 minutes for their age is what many is what the screen time they're they're getting they're getting right uh, so mm-hmm. that means like a 10 year old could be getting as much as five hours of screen time. And I'm always like, where do they fit all that in? Right. And all that to be able to get that much. Anytime they're to, going to and fro practice. Two, that's all right. The mm-hmm. Little bits here and there. Yep. It just adds up. It just adds mm-hmm. up. So, wow. And that's where Richard Liu, who wrote that book we've been talking about, Last Child in the Woods, he also wrote another book called Vitamin N, and where he talks about, so that's vitamin nature. Okay. So vitamin <laughs> N. And so he gives like 500 ways you can get your family back out into nature and all that. But it really is trying to think. And he also wrote a book called The Nature Principle. So he's really trying to get people to think about, okay, let's not spend seven hours on the screen. What are other things that we can right. do? And because parents are more comfortable with activities. So, yeah, maybe sometimes there's some scripted activities. Uh-huh. You suggest, hey, let's go do a scavenger hunt. Let's do a nature scavenger hunt. Okay. Totally and fun. then when you get done, as they gather things, then I'm like, okay, now let them, what do they want to do with those items that they just gathered? Yeah. Do they want to make a nature soup? Y'all probably remember making nature soups and stuff and potions and all those kind of oh, things yeah, that we used girl. to put together. Yeah, mud and pies. And mud with, pies. With let, the let rotten tomatoes from the neighbor's garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We put some gross stuff in it. Yeah. So maybe you took a little structure <laughs> activity and then you gave them some unstructured time with it uh-huh. so then they could start pretending and, mm-hmm. and huh. create, being creative and all that. Oh, so interesting. So interesting. Um, so, Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking most parents probably think they've got this covered, but obviously they don't. Like, say, all my kids do is play. Like, I can't get them to do any chores. I can't get them. But, but, but if you ask them, and how are they playing, it's usually they're playing, they're watching YouTube videos. Yeah. I mean, because I used to ask kids, like, what's your favorite TV show? I've learned not to ask that anymore. It's ask what your favorite YouTube video is. Because oh, kids aren't really wow. watching TV shows. Like, no, they don't. Or if they are, they're watching, like, a whole season at, you know, at once. Yes. So they're doing those kind of things. There's actually, I don't know if y'all are familiar with this commercial and if it's okay to say a product name, I guess it is, but um, Nature Valley, who's in a ca- uh, Canadian company, mm-hmm. actually, um, of course, think of the name Nature Valley. So they make like granola bars and other things. Well, they made this great commercial. It's three generations where they show the three gen of grandparents, parents, and kids and how they played. It's like what we were talking about earlier. Oh, and the I love it. But some of the kids, the screen time, like one of them says, I would die without my tablet. And they talk about being on the screen four or five, six hours a day. But one little boy in particular, as he's talking, he's like, I just watched a whole season of such and such in 24 hours. And another boy says, I even forgot I had a mom. I forgot I had a dad. I forgot I had a sister. I was so, I mean, people have been brought to tears when they watch that little mm-hmm. commercial. Because I've shown it in some of my trainings and people will get teared watching it. But one little boy in particular stands out that I would almost think he might be on the autism spectrum by the way he talked uh-huh. and all that. And he may or may not have been. But so much, I think, it was influenced by how much screen time he was having. Oh, for and sure. And made me wonder mm-hmm. as a therapist, you know, some of these kids that we maybe think are this, maybe they've been so impacted by how much time they're on the screen. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And you know that what you said about the um, just the time in the day and what that does to you, what that does to you versus what being outside does to you. Um, another thing our pediatrician talks about all the time is sleep hygiene. Oh, yeah. And I how, you too. know, when your kid, if you've been camping or you've been outside, like hitting it hard for a good you used to have Houston run around the house to get his energy out <laughs> right. run around the house do laps outside out to right. go. but you know when they've been outside you know that kind of tired that you get from being in the garden all day and that kind of tired that kind of hungry too mm-hmm. for the, the right things yeah there's no kind of tired and right. hungry and then you sleep so much better oh. because yes. Of yes and so your brain waves have like have done all the things they're supposed to do and now they can rest the way they're supposed to rest because right. they've gotten input from all of 
the senses and all of the development. Right. I just love it. It's It sounds like such common sense to me, and I don't know why it's so hard for us as <laughs> this generation. I, I see it, and I don't know why that's, like, and, some, and sometimes parents think their kids are getting enough sleep. They don't realize what enough sleep is for a child. So sometimes when I talk about eight to ten hours, they're like, what? Yeah. And, and, and that. And then also that sometimes they think their kids are asleep and what have the kids done? <laughs> well, we all used to do it with our books. We used to pull our books out and our flashlights and read sometimes maybe. And, mm-hmm. of course, there was great, our, you know, if you're reading and whatever. But so now kids will get on the screens. They'll mm-hmm. pull out their phones under or their the tablets yep. under their covers. Mm-hmm. Then that's even more screen time, but it's also less sleep time. Mm-hmm. So they're not recalibrating. They're not giving their brains the rest that they need. Right. Oh, so it all kind of yeah. starts. You can see how it all starts kind of blending like and fitting into each other. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And then the lack of social time. So if they're not playing outside, guess what? They're not figuring out those rules with each other and how to get along better and, and all that. Right. Like I've heard it teaches you empathy. Exactly. For, I mean, you know, you just watch the ants. You watch the bird in a nest. You watch. It's worms. Just, I used to watch worms. Just <laughs> uh-huh. sit in the grass. Empathy. Scrape yeah, away right. a little. Right. And I'll talk about too how about the most unfocused child will get so focused on a caterpillar walking along the ground or mm. something. So, like, we'll grab a magnifying glass and we'll look at it really close. So, you're doing all those executive function building skills when you're doing that. But this is the child that can't sit still in class. Yeah. Mm. And all that. Well, you know, because he was probably really made to be much more outside. Right. We have a school class. here um, in our county, Cedar Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, that's. Ah, it's kind of different like that. It's made right. where the kids, I think it's three through 12 are the grades, um, where they spend a large amount of t- their classroom time outside. Right. And it's like a working farm. So, um, you know, if something happens with a lamb, then they have to figure it out. They have right. to figure out using science and looking up medicine and whatever, well, how we're going to fix this injury with this lamb. I, it's kind of old school. It's exactly old school. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't mom, dad, or teacher telling them how to figure it out. No, either, so they, they had, had to come to up with figure it, it out. And then they got to, um, you know, climb a tree and read if they want to do their literature up in the tree or whatever, which I just, I think is awesome. <laughs> We've talked about all the different ways mm-hmm. that you can school mm-hmm. your children, and uh, I think that's awesome. So, well, I remember when the pandemic and things, you know, when schools were shut down. So parents were like, oh, they're going to lose this much of third grade, and they were really mm. concerned about it, which I get. Like, you can use play and nature as learning experiences because play is learning. Mister Rogers was a big advocate play for is play learning. is learning, yes, you know, and all that. And so I would say, let them watch the birds outside. Okay, let them watch it. They'll be pretty fascinated with it. They'll want to learn more about the birds. So maybe you then suggest, oh, why don't you learn how they migrate? What do they, what do they, you know, eat and all that? That's learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a different way of learning and right. all that. And so just encouraging those kind of things can and be pretty fascinating. A, you make your own um, teachers unit that way. Oh you know, yeah, they definitely. all have different flight paths. They all have different songs. Yes. They all you make a feeder and feed I was gonna say you get the, the old Cub Scout thing. You get the pine cone and the peanut butter and the bird seed. And right. You do that, and yes. kids love that. You go hang yeah. it up, and then they love to watch what birds come to it. Yeah, or planting the seeds, watching yes. the seeds sprout, going outside. Yeah, yep. like the that's we originated in the garden. Well, here we are doing yeah. gardening things. Yeah. I love that. Right. Yeah, so fun. So do you have um, a recommendation for, like, we, we're, Bonnie and I were thinking about different age groups. So, like, toddlers, you know, they're, you know, preschool versus grade school versus adolescence. Are there, is there an amount of time? Is it, is it that two hours you talked about per week? Is that for every age group or, or is there more required time outside for maybe a younger child or an older child? Well, you know, there are some advocates that, really want you to get more than that so some will advocate for like three to five hours a day and of course sometimes like well for a real world if I tell a parent three to five hours a day I've lost them Mm -hmm. because they're not going to be able to do that Mm -hmm. so I think as much as you can and start like I said start off with that 20 minutes Mm -hmm. if I can't get the 20 we'll start off with five but I really think most people can get 20 minutes so I really push for the 20 minutes and then if that lengthens to an hour that's great and then Mm -hmm. if you can figure out how can we do some of our learning outside Mm-hmm. You know, can we have family dinners outside? Kids love picnics. Oh, yeah. So, and again, one of those other things that we think makes sense, having meals together. So many people are out and about and they're, diff- you know, and I remember when my boys were in high school, it's hard. They've got soccer. They've got this. They've got that. But trying to have those family meals together. So make them outdoors. I met a college a professor from California. And, um, you know, in California, your houses are tiny. Mm-hmm. So he had, he had five children, he and his wife had five children and they, um, ate like probably 10, 11 months out of the year, um, outside. Oh yeah. Every meal was outside. Their dining room was outside. Mm -hmm. It was Southern California. 
Right. So they had the they had the weather on their side. They had the weather <laughs> on their side, and I was like, that is brilliant. Yeah. That you've just created a whole nother room and now you're outside every day. And sometimes with different living arrangements, like I remember when I was in London and so I was staying in someone's home at an Airbnb in London. And so, you know, they, they build up because they're so crowded mm-hmm. and all that. So the lots of them have three stories, but they have these little courtyards outside mm-hmm. and they would go eat breakfast every morning outside with yes. their daughter and all that. So it's just a way to kind of get that nature in and, and all that. And again, you know, you're three stories. So their dining room was upstairs, which I thought was a little strange, but anyway, from their kitchen, but they had to go upstairs to eat. But so it made more, much, it was probably much easier to go out to that courtyard too. Yeah. But what a great way to be able to eat together and Mm -hmm. access the nature at the same time. Yes. Love this. Okay. Um, so let's talk about, well, you talked about some of the ways um, that you can play, you play risky ways, right? You play with imaginative games. Yes. Um, which teaches you to think hypothetically and creatively. You can play socially. Right. Um, we just talked about how you learn to compromise mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. negotiate. And um, a parent doesn't always have to be there to referee. Yeah, and it's good for them not always to be there to referee. Because, again, uh-huh. if, if the parent's always refereeing for them, the child won't know how to. Right. Right. So you're learning, like, negotiation skills and exactly. what's socially that's, acceptable. Well, and we, for any of us that had siblings, we know that's where you usually learn those. Before yeah. you ever walked into kindergarten, <laughs> you had some of those skills down. If you don't if you don't have siblings, maybe you learn it from cousins or or yeah. people in your na- kids in the neighborhood if you're going outside and playing with them. Yes. So if you mm-hmm. had a play group to do that in. Mm-hmm. But you learn so much of that before you even start school. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, also, you can play with language. I thought that was a cool one. Um, that's how they become competent with language. Um, you play physically, obviously. Right. And I mean, if you've got kids, they're doing that anyway. Right? They're climbing all over your furniture. They're they're tumbling right. around like puppies. But you know, um, there's actually concerns about how much they're not doing that kind of things. Uh, occupational therapists are are concerned because kids don't know how to balance now. Think about that. They don't know how to balance because they're never actually trying to balance on anything. Wow. What? I know, right? So they're not out there walking on those, you know, on those logs or they're not jumping over creeks or whatever. So they're not learning spatial things about what it takes to be balanced and whatever. I'm stunned. I know. So it's just all these other areas, you know, optometrists who are concerned because more glasses are needed because people aren't, they're so much focused on screen and they're not seeing green. And I remember years ago, my optometrist, when I was talking about my kids, it's something like, would they possibly have to wear glasses, you know, since I did. And he's like, the best thing you do is have them see green. Look far away. Look at the horizon. And that was my optometrist telling me that a long time ago. So when you're outside and yes, you're looking out at the landscape and all that. Wow. Yeah. So all, you know, all the different areas that it ends up affecting. That's, that's amazing to me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and this is already all been uncovered like we already know all this we already it's know not it. groundbreaking it's, it's news free that's the and, other thing it's it is free. free and the good thing is what we're, we all <laughs> my husband and i used to talk about we could be driving to the mountains so again in tennessee we you know we love beaches and we also but we have we do have mountains we don't even have beaches but we have mountains and i would talk about how i could feel the stress just pouring away as soon as i could see it yeah just as soon as it was in my sight and we would talk about that and, and we go, it feels so good. Nature's a healing bomb. We use it. What's nice is this research that's now supporting all this. Mm-hmm. So when Richard Lee wrote that book in 2005, so 16 years ago, he had lot, less than 100 studies to use for that book. Mm-hmm. Now he started the Children Nature Network several years ago, and now their library has about a thousand studies. And that's in 16 years. Wow. Yeah. So it's just, so science is telling us what we already knew. Yeah. Um, which makes sense, but it's kind of nice to have that science mm-hmm. back up. Yeah, but we're not listening to it. That's right. So we've got to listen to it more. But I, that's why I encourage therapists because, like, okay, if you need evidence-based practice, we're getting that because we're getting this evidence-based from nature. Yeah. So, all you know, we talk about a lot of times young families, young moms need to, they really struggle with living on a budget, right? Right. With raising their kids on a budget. But we've just said, okay, you don't need, you pr- cut your toys yeah. by 75%. Right. Yes, right. get rid of them. Yeah, Christmas is way pared down. You don't need sure. all that stuff under the tree. And you don't need to enroll in 57 activities that are structured and have rules and are on a, um, you know, AstroTurf that's been sprayed with insecticide and all the right. things. Just go outside. Right. Just go outside and your budget has just been yeah. freed up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How and many then, hundreds of dollars? Oh, yeah. And another fun thing to do is just like go around the house and just get household items. So I'll tell parents, and I did this a lot over the pandemic, get your those toilet paper rolls that everybody had a plethora of because we're home so <laughs> yeah. much. So we had all these toilet paper rolls, paper towel rolls, you know, tissue boxes, just all kinds of things like that. And then just see what kids will create out of them. Mm. And so um, out of England, and 
they have something called loose parts play. We're getting a little bit more of that here in the U.S. But yep. just putting random objects together and see what they, you know, sometimes that might mean, you know, nuts and bolts from dad's garage yeah. and all that. Just see what they make out of things like that. Put them with paper right. plates and see what they do. Put them yeah. with yarn just and just see all the ways kids can create. And, of course, if they can do it outside on the deck, even better. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> sure. they're getting that vitamin D. They're getting that air and whatever. So, yeah. But, yeah, throw in sticks and, yeah. you know, sticks and stones and, you know, grass and flowers and different things and see what they can make. Wow. Very cool. I, You know what I noticed? Um, I'm, I'm a beekeeper. Yes. And I – my son was an Eagle Scout. I know yours were too. Mm-hmm. And so all yeah, of our, all of our too. Yeah. Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, um, they used to have beekeeping as one of the merit badges, but they took it away. So I found a, um, Oh, I didn't know they took it away. Yeah. They I took, too. there's a like 1950s merit badge book that I found, but oh, yeah. that would be so cool. Anybody, anybody that's listening and wants to come bring their kids over and learn beekeeping. I'm your girl. Yeah. Come on over. You can watch bees and it's study bees. It's such a complex. Yeah. It's very but, cool. Um, colony and the way they the way they operate it's just so my husband used to do that and he misses it it's such a because we live in a subdivision who's been afraid to bring in oh did that in a subdivision but he's like i want to do that again do it anyway no one will know (laughs) right yeah (laughs) no one will know but he always said it was so calming for him just to it is with the bees because like with bees and horses and a lot of living things for that matter you cannot be stressed when you're out there right you can't get on a horse fearful because immediately pick it up. Yeah. the horse will know mm-hmm. and you're going to have a heck of a ride. So yeah, you have to sing when you're out there with the bees or you have to, um, you know, just breathe when you're on a horse, things like that, um, that you learn from out being out in nature and animals that you just wouldn't, yeah. you just wouldn't. And you're not going to feel like I'm a walking commercial for Richard Louvre, but his newest book is, I I, is Our Wild Calling, which is about our connection with animals. Oh, and then their connection with us. That's great. I have to get yeah. that one. From and you husband. and your husband would probably love that yep. book if he, he doesn't have that. That he doesn't know about yeah, our wild he calling. Would. Yes. He would. That's great. Um, well, there's a great resource that I just stumbled upon actually from another one of our listeners. Um, it's called A Thousand Hours Outside. Yes. Um, it's at A Thousand Hours Outside on Instagram. If you want to find it there, and, I and on Facebook, Facebook as well. Yes. Um, and they talk about all of this information like all the time. That's just what they do, and they give you awesome. There's books I think that go with. Um, practical tips here's if you're not outdoorsy and you don't know how to do it they give you great tips about how to go outside how to play in water how to do all the things and Um, they also encourage you okay if you can't make a thousand so the goal is a thousand hours in a year yeah and of course when we start doing in our head we start going wow that's like a little over three hours a day so but they also encourage okay just do more Yes, right. just do more. Any little bit. Right. And they have a cute little graphs you can print off, you know, little graphics that you can start coloring in when you meet so many hours uh-huh. and have like a mandala graphic and different different things. But yeah. again, they're very encouraging. Okay, maybe you don't make a thousand hours, but as long as you're making more, yeah, that's, that's then it the, counts. That's the purpose. Yes, we're trying yes. to get more. And Peloton doesn't count, even though you're looking at that stuff. It doesn't count. <laughs> right. Unless you take it outside on your day. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, then, you, then go stand in the grass for a few minutes. Because again, the, the studies do show, like there's some studies that show walking, like people walking in a mall versus walking outside in the park. At the same rate and whatever, you're, you get much better results walking in the park than walking in a mall. Mm-hmm. And, and even more than walking inside your home uh-huh. and all that, like on that exercise machine and whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. So just you were saying, Jamie, that your husband, you, you'll all be walking on the greenway and yes. you, you step off the paved. I step off the pavement. He's always like, get back on the pavement. I'm like, no, it's better for me. To go <laughs> there is this concept called getting grounded. And so it's kind of cool, right? Getting grounded, not in the way when you think about when you're in middle school and your parents sit right. you're grounded. But this is good to get great, grounded. What a better way to do that, though. Right. I love that language. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be able All to right. get grounded. You're, you're grounded, grounded. Outside. Go outside. outside. That's right. There you go. Love that. And all that. But yeah, if you take this, so the research says if you take your shoes off and go walk on the ground and all that, how much more regulated you get mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. I ch- Okay, I tried this. You know, we were, yeah. we were, I was talking about this. My massage therapist does this. Mm-hmm. My chiropractor does this. Mm-hmm regularly because they are dealing with people who are under stress right right and they're right. they're bringing in all their stuff with them and they feel heavy you know mm-hmm. and so because they're empathetic kind of people and right. so I thought okay I'm gonna try it I came home I took off my socks and shoes and I went out in the grass and I was like uh the grass feels kind of wet right <laughs> and a little bit sticky and honestly like I didn't know what grass felt like I was trying to think back to the last time I'd walked like through what? grass in my bare feet I've walked on sand I've right on the beach mm-hmm. right I've walked on pavement but um it honestly it was an odd sensation and then I felt kind of silly like what if my neighbors just saw me yeah. <laughs> standing in my backyard <laughs> well see sometimes when kids, kids will come in fairly dysregulated sometimes especially like after school you know, maybe they yeah. got in an argument with their mom on the way 
And yeah. like, have you done your homework? Or just, you know, something happened at school or whatever. Sometimes it's, let's just go outside and take a walk. And they get regulated. So yeah, let's take your shoes off. Let's or let's go outside off. and let's go touch the tree. And sometimes they look at you a little weird, like, what? Yeah, just touch the tree. Hug the tree if you want to. You know, there are tree huggers out there. Mm. But there's that grounding that comes in from that. Young moms, listen to this. Yeah. I remember when, it. yeah, when my babies were babies and they were, you know, from that four to six hour in the night when yeah. mm-hmm. everything's horrible or even if they're not getting to sleep well at night I would take them outside I mean the night sky and you That's might a see great a shooting star outside, and all the stuff because you never you're asleep you know go to bed go to bed go to bed it's time for you to go to bed <laughs> right. but go outside instead look at the stars look up um and it was just like oh magical okay everybody's calm now mm-hmm. we can right. all go back inside and try this again yeah it's right. great so. Wasn't there, isn't that a like an old wives tale, like a parenting technique is if your kids are, are acting up, put them in water mm, or bath. send them outside. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's like the two grandmother remedies oh, yeah. for. When people now are saying, you know, when moms used to tell us to go outside and play, they really knew what they were talking about. Even if they didn't know what they were talking about, it really was a <laughs> yes. good thing. But a lot of kids today just haven't had that experience no. of being told, go outside and play. I think so many, and it, it, okay, mental health and all that stuff, yeah. which is awesome. But also think about you get better sleep, you get better um, de-stress and all those things, your behavior problems right. that you're dealing with and that the parents are so stressed about all day long well, that's magically what, go away. I, well, that's what we talk about. I remember some studies that when my kids were in elementary school, I found this study and took it to our school, even though our school was not a violator of this. Um, the school we were in had two recess periods a day where you could go outside and whatever but a lot of schools were taking recess out and so these studies that were showing particularly for little boys but I think it's recognized that both genders can benefit they need that break to go outside and play and kind of work some of that out of their system a little bit you're asking them to sit still for such long periods of time and all that so and then then their behavior gets worse and they lose recess right and so that's what I was gonna say so we really try, (sighs) try to educate teachers not to take away recess they look at taking away recess as oh that will motivate them but then you're also going to get probably more behavior problems come right. out because they didn't get a chance to go work some of that yeah. that out, run it out, yell it out. I'm always like, okay, playing inside is wonderful, and I do a lot of playing inside. But what do kids, when they go outside, what do we start hearing? What do we notice? They're outside louder. voices. Outside voices, and, we called it. And what are they always t- telling them? What do we tell them on the inside? Use your inside voice. Uh-huh. Sit uh-huh. still. Don't move. Pay attention. Okay, go outside. You can scream. You can mm-hmm. yell. You can run. You can be fast. Yeah. All those things. And kids... Um, just watch them when they come out of school. And I'll be like, watch them when they go out to recess. I mean, it's like, Phew, yeah. you get this momentum and they're yeah. loud and they're running yeah. and whatever. Go listen to kids at a playground. I love that sound. And all that. <laughs> yeah, that. You hear yeah. the laughing and whatever. Yeah. It's not, you don't usually hear quiet playgrounds. That's and right. All that. You don't. Mm-hmm. And, all, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, so yeah, so is. let them go outside and have all, all that fun. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think we need more fun. All of us need more fun That's in right. our do. lives. Do we not? We yes. Do. So go outside and watch the clouds, watch the birds, listen, go like sit in the grass and count with your child. How Name 10 things you can hear. What can you hear? Mm, I love That's that. That's an easy thing. 10 yeah. things you can see. Yeah, we do a lot. We'll go, go through the senses. So many times it's like, what are five things you can see? What are four things you can hear? What are three? You know, we just kind of do Smell, a countdown and, and you just touch. go through the different senses. Mm. Oh, that's so yeah. great. Even little teeny kids and little can, ones do can do that. that. It's very regulating. For sure. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so be in fresh air under the trees and away from cars on a regular basis like even when you're in the car look out the window put away that little video screen click it up there they can do without you know finding Nemo for five now minutes now you've been talking to my husband he <laughs> resisted for the longest time when our kids were little buying a vehicle that had the DVD well we had one I'll just fess and he would right be like now. no they're going to look out the windows and whatever and somewhere along the way I finally talked him into because there are some times when it's nice to have that <laughs> screen, screen time but we also did it outside window yeah we bought um binoculars and binoculars are great interstate oh, that's trips a great so we said you're gonna just see what you can see take your binoculars and well I talk with parents about having like a little nature play kit and I and of course I'll use it in therapy but they can use it at home too having things like binoculars you can get pretty child-friendly yes. pretty inexpensive binoculars yeah. and they love again it's doing all that attention and that focus and microscopes the and same all that same you microscopes you know telescopes get the mag- magnifying glass so mm-hmm. simple mm-hmm. and all that you can get a little bug net you know just different things and so that they want to explore things look at things for a little while then you let it go you know yeah. you teach that empathy and whatever we're not going to crush the bug we're going to look at it and learn from it and then we're going to let it go mm-hmm. and all that but just having like a little nature play kit that they can take around i'll tell parents keep it in your car okay guess what the next time you're at brother's soccer practice you and the other one can go use it 
you know, there's usually some green space around the soccer field. Brilliant. Or so smart. That's yeah. brilliant. Because otherwise the default is to sit there on their, mm-hmm. on their iPad. Yeah. Oh, right. I love that. Great. Jamie, this I love it. This is such a great yeah. conversation. Thank yeah. you so oh. much for coming. Oh, yeah. I could talk all day. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's fascinating. I'm sure there's like a thousand more things to say. But, um, yeah, this has been so simple but so important. Profound. Yeah. Really. Some great ideas. Some great ideas. So go out and try some of those. Um, So we'll list some of the resources on our, in fact, I have a ton to list on this one uh, on our website at justaskyourmom.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom or Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. And if you're listening, please rate us and give us a review um, that just helps people find us. And again, send us your questions or topics. You've been sending some great ones lately. We really love to hear what you have to say. And you can email those to us at justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Mom. Mom.